WATD presents John Paul, the car doctor. All things automotive. Have questions? Call 781-837-4900. Now, here's John Paul, the car doctor. And good Sunday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program on 95.9 WATD, South Shore's radio station. My name's John Paul, the host of the Car Doctor Program. If you're new to the program on WATD, I'm a ASE certified technician. I work for the AAA Auto Club. I've been with AAA now for, I think I'm in my 38th year. I write a lot of question and answer columns. I'm going to go into one that ended up on Yahoo this morning that has caused quite a bit of controversy. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. We'll probably try to get a new car review in. And also we have some tickets to give away to the Saratoga Motor Car uh, Auction and Museum. And we'll figure out, well, maybe we'll just give them away. Uh, we have those to give away, too. So we have a lot going on today. But most importantly, we have a guest on the line with us. And his name is John Wingle. He is a he's the uh, owner of something called the Orphan Car Garage. And the Orphan Car Garage um, is right near where I used to live, actually. When I lived in Abington, uh, I was out for a walk one morning. And I'd walk by this garage, and I'd see some odd car parts out in front. One day I took a picture of an ambulance, and I said, oh, it looks like the Ghostbusters are here. And John pinged me on Facebook and said, hey, you're right out in front of my garage. You ought to stop by someday. And I never actually got a chance to do that. But then I was kind of reminded about it. I was watching Chronicle one night, and boom, he pops up. So, John, good morning, and welcome to the Car Doctor Program. Good morning, and thank you for having me. Appreciate it. So um, let's talk about orphan cars for a minute, what that really means. Um, they're sort of the forgotten cars, right? They are. They are. Uh, I, I guess by the textbook, uh, an orphan car would be a car that was manufactured by a manufacturer that's no longer in business, like, uh, say, a Studebaker or a Packard. Kaiser, uh, Rambler, and of course those those are definitely all orphan cars. But sometimes, to me, a car uh, could be considered an orphan car that it was produced by a manufacturer that is still in business. And a perfect example of that, to me, is the Chevy Corvair. Um, yes, yeah, Chevrolet is still in business, and they're still building cars today. But I think if any any nameplate that Chevrolet built or even GM could be considered an orphan. Um, it would be the, the, the Corvair, probably by their choice. You know, I think they wanted to orphan that car back in around 1968. So, yeah. Um, I, other cars, the Chevy Vega, I recently sold the Chevy Vega estate wagon. That, to me, is an orphan. Um, so it's a, it's a fine line, I suppose, and I don't, I don't um, stick to the textbook um, description of an orphan car in my business, although those cars are cars that I definitely focus in on and have a true passion for. Yeah, it's interesting, too, that, you know, you mentioned the Corvair and, you know, you kind of look at some of the GM cars and maybe the Vega might be a little bit of a stretch. But it seems like at the end there, whether it was, you know, the, the uh, you know, some of the Pontiacs or, or Saturns or, or anything, yeah. anything like that, right in their end years, they were actually yeah. pretty nice cars. They I mean, you look better. at the, yeah. You, yeah, you look at the 69 Corvair, it was a, it was a pretty fabulous yeah. car. Yeah. Yeah, the, the second generation Corvair is is a fantastic vehicle, and and we've known that. I think you've known that for quite a while. You're a prior Corvair owner yourself. I've I've been a Corvair owner consistently since I was 15, and uh, it's been widely known within our little subsector that the late model 65 to 69 redesigned Corvair was a 
fantastic car. And But up until recently, they really didn't get the credit they deserve. They are now, slowly. Um, yeah. A perfect example also of that, and I've owned several of them, is the Pontiac Fiero. They got the Fiero right in 1988, and then they killed it. Yeah, you, you're you know. right. They they changed the body style a little bit, and then they they added a, a more uh, more dependable engine. The the, uh, the engine that only ran on I think it had three quarts of oil in it, and it you know you'd go around a corner hard and it would starve for oil, which didn't do the engine any. Oh, good. the old the yeah. old Iron Duke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. They, they they added the V6 in '85, the 2.8 V6, which was a huge improvement. But the the big the big changes for '88, which was the last model year for the car, was a completely redesigned suspension and brakes. Um, no longer were they sharing components with the Citation and the Chevette, which is the early, the early designed um, Fieros did. By '88, they had completely abandoned that, and they they designed a brand new suspension and braking system for the car that was second to none. And then that was the last year for the car. So yeah. GM doesn't have a habit of doing that. Exactly, yeah. that car probably should have survived. Yeah, I I saw a uh, Pontiac Solstice the other day, and someone painted yeah. it sort of like a um, like a, a '58 Corvette, the two tone with the with the middle section white and the outside was blue. Really, and and mm. it really changed the whole. I mean, it's a it's a great looking car to start off with, but it really changed yeah. the whole style of the car. And it and you yeah. looked at it and you're like, what is that? You know, and then you realized it was a it was a Pontiac Solstice and and not a '58. Corvette that your Corvette. eyes were blurry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's no, interesting. Was... I'd like to see that actually. Yeah. yeah. Now, how did, how did... little cars too? Yeah. How did you go get ahead. into this business? <laughs> um, we we have to go way back. So, okay. So, um, my first fascination with a car was with a Corvair when I was about twelve, thirteen years old on the school bus uh, in Bellingham, Massachusetts, where I grew up. I would purposely sit on the side of the school bus that passed a salvage yard in town. And on the other side of a chain-link fence, the salvage yard was a 63 Corvair sedan, and it was facing out towards the road. And I saw this odd front end of this odd-looking car that was short, didn't have a grill, and I just thought that was such a strange thing. And finally one day I got on my bike and I rode up there, and I saw the word Corvair on the dashboard, and I went home and I said to my mom, what's a Corvair? And she said, oh, those used to blow up. So I knew, <laughs> of course they didn't, but um, I knew then that uh, I had a fascination with the oddball cars, and that was at 13 years old. I bought a Corvair when I was 15, and that just kind of spun into other uh, oddball, underappreciated cars. I've always been a fan of the underdog, and I actually grew up in an AMC house. Most people will say, oh, we grew up with Fords or Plymouths or Pontiacs. I grew up with AMCs, so... Right from the gate, I kind of was predisposed to uh, having a fascination with the underdogs or the orphan cars. So, um, to this day, and worked in the auto industry at the dealership level for over 30 years, about 33 years, parts and service divisions of various car dealerships, mostly Chrysler, Plymouth, Dodge, and Jeep. And um, this passion of mine kept growing, and I was getting older, not younger, and I decided. Uh, in 2018 that I really needed to make the leap from the dealerships to my true passion and open Orphan Car Garage. So I started it in 2018 and just made it full-time within the last year. 
And it's funny. It's funny you said uh, you know you grew up in Bellingham. Wasn't there a Hudson dealer or something out in Bellingham? Exactly. Yeah, more, uh, Bellingham Auto Sales, Moore's Garage. Um, that's the exact salvage yard that I'm referring to. I okay. Didn't, I didn't mention it, but you're exactly right. It was about a mile from home, and I, I really cut my teeth in that yard, um, being able to because he he. The Moors had a fascination with the underdogs and the and the orphan cars. He was a Hudson dealer himself, so his yard out back he he transformed into sort of a salvage yard. And um, Hudson, uh, he, I think he became a Rambler dealer. Then around the ni- early nineteen sixties, he sold his franchise to a dealership in Franklin, and he kind of pivoted into salvage yards and repairs on Hudson's AMCs and Ramblers. So he had a lot of those types of cars in his yard, and I was able to, many times as a kid, explore that yard and learn about the cars that were in it, and a majority of it was orphan oddball cars. So there again, uh, kind of right there in my wheelhouse from the start. Yeah, it sounds it sounds kind of an interesting start, you know, especially as a kid where you where you got yeah. to see all where you got to see all of this and then you turn that passion into a business. And is this a full-time business for you now or are you still It is now. I left the dealerships uh late last fall and um I decided to make the uh they take the plunge into doing this full-time um and it's worked out well. And um, there's a there's a there's a true calling for what I'm doing. I, I, I get emails and phone calls and messages from people uh, on a weekly basis tell, telling me that they 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 love what I'm doing. That I'm giving these cars that normally sometimes wouldn't have gotten a second look, a second chance in life or a third chance in life. And there is a market out there for them. Granted, some of the cars that I sell has a ver- have a very small market. Uh, one case in particular, I just recently sold a 1959 Vauxhall Victor. And I myself had to research that car when it came in. It came in to me on consignment. The family uh, wanted me to assist them in selling it. And I, I, I didn't know anything about it, and I had to research it. Come to find out, Vauxhalls uh, in the late 50s, early 60s, were sold through Pontiac franchises that General Motors imported them here to the States from Britain to fill the void of the small car market. Was that the car that to... was that the car that looked like the little fifty seven Chevy? Yep. 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 Absolutely. I, I truly believe that Vauxhall designed it for the American audience. And they it had a three speed it has a three speed manual column shifted transmission and in Europe everything was four shifted at the time. I really think that they there's a lot of design cues in the car that uh, would definitely market it towards the Americans. It didn't sell well. Deal, I'm assuming dealers probably didn't like it because it was so different from everything else they were selling. The dealers themselves probably didn't promote it well here. Um, and I had never seen one uh, until until now. But that car would have an extremely tiny market here in the U.S. There's a lot of them still in Europe. There's clubs in Europe for them. They sold a ton of them in Europe. Not so much here. But we found a home. It's heading to uh, Houston to a gentleman that owned one in college in the late 1960s that he had bought for $15 and drove it through four years of college and always loved and remembered the car. So there's always somebody with a connection to something, no matter what the car might be or how it may have been laughed at at one point or not even thought about. Someone's got a connection to that car. And I do my best to try to find those people. Well, it is true that every car has a story, it seems like. And, yeah. you know, whether it's your car or a neighbor's car, there's something in there. And there's there's sort of a passion. Um, you know, I, I guess it's sort of 
you know, if you hear a sound, you 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 know, you smell a pie cooking or whatever the case is, or a yeah. song song that you hear and it brings you back to a certain time. The same yeah. thing when you sit in the front seat of a you know sixty three Corvair, or you 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 know you you happen to all of a sudden just think of something. And it reminds you when you were talking about you know the Vauxhall being sold by Pontiac dealers. Um, I remember uh, you know some of the. I think it was Buick dealers that were selling Opals and even, Opals, yeah. yeah. And even, you know, what, you know, I guess the weird way my mind works, I was thinking, Oh yeah. Down the street, uh, kind of near where you're located, but over on the Brockton line, there was a Buick dealer and they sold Yugos for a while. And, uh, oh. you know, and I guess, I guess if you think of a, a Yugo as an orphan, I suppose, yeah, they they pretty much are. <laughs> yep, and I you know if 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 I came across one or one was presented to me on consignment, I certainly would not turn it away because I follow a lot of uh, car groups online, and there's there's a lot of love for that little car. Um, so many people may ask why, but there's a lot of love for that little car. So um, I I would welcome the opportunity to have a Yugo in my inventory. I have not yet, but. That's the that's the kind of car that would fit right into my wheelhouse. Absolutely, uh, I remember them when they came out. I think they were thirty nine ninety five or something. Yeah, or, they were absolutely. You're right. Thirty nine ninety five, and yeah. and they were sort of based on a very old Fiat platform, which didn't help yeah. a lot either. So, um, one of the problems, and I'm just guessing that you might have, is how do you separate the cars that you want to keep because you mm. just love them to the cars that you want to sell? Valid question. It's very difficult for me to do what I do because I, I buy and sell what I love, which is great for the the the, uh, the customer, the client, the purchaser, because yep. they I, I put my I put passion into this car. This is a car that I'm passionate about. I'm not just in it for the uh, for the end game profit. So it's a car that I've loved to begin with that I'm selling, but that poses a problem for me personally because I want to keep everything. So. I've got a little. I've got a little system. I love. I love Studebakers. So we'll take Studebakers for example. And I had always, always wanted an original, early Lark, original okay. unrestored. I love original unrestored. By the way, there's nothing like an unrestored yep. car. Even if there's some patina in the paint, it's it. That car has a story. So I, I searched for a long time to find a original unrestored '59 or '60 Studebaker Lark. I just think they're great little cars. Finally found one about two years ago, brought it to the shop, and this is going to be a keeper. This is a part of my own collection. This is a keeper. I'm going to keep this one. Well, lo and behold, I found one that was a little nicer mm-hmm. six months ago. So now, all of a sudden, the first one that I got can be sold, and I'll keep this one instead. So to answer your question, there's a slight rotation in the personal inventory. Uh, the inventory doesn't grow. Usually, to bring one in, I've got to convince myself to let another one go. You know, so I do rotate them in and out of my personal collection uh, to to help support the business. But it's I'm not going to lie; it's difficult. I want to keep them all. <laughs> yeah, I, I I bet that I bet that's absolutely the case. And then, um, how about um, restoration? How how ready are your cars to drive when someone wants to buy one? So I don't generally buy a rusty car or a rotted car or a car that needs even a lot of interior work or even even convertible tops where we are, are tough to get uh, done reasonably. <clears throat> um, so I try to buy a good car to begin with, but a car that will definitely need something to be brought up to another level. So maybe it's got the wrong size tires on it or 
the carpet needs to be replaced or the paint needs to be restored. And I have a, I have a, I have a guy that does amazing paint correction work and paint correction is a whole nother story yep. for a whole nother one of your episodes. But so the car may need a paint correction um, or mechanical work it might need some, might need a gas tank or a carburetor rebuild or some brakes, yep. you know, so I'll definitely buy a car that needs to be brought to another level to, um, to give it some love, but I don't buy a car that was, that's a project car. Project cars are tough. They're, they're, they're tough to sell. They're tough to buy. They're tough to get done. I always recommend to people spend a little bit more money for a better car. And unless you're the type of guy that wants a project or your own to learn, and that's great. But there's so few, there's, there's more cars out there that, that are project cars than there are buyers for those project cars. So I try to stay away from major restoration, you know, running, driving down the road, and then we can take it from there. <clears throat> yeah, that, that absolutely makes sense. You talk to people that, that have completed a project car, and maybe the car at the end of the day is worth $40,000, but they put $80,000 into it to get exactly. to that $40,000 car, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's 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 a that's a common occurrence. Exactly. Now, is your place open by appointment, or is it open to the public? How's it work? And pretty. I'm a one man show right now. Yeah. Uh, that's. I can see that changing um, because I'm becoming increasingly more busy. <clears throat> so I'm a one man show. So I'm looking at cars. I'm transporting cars. I'm moving cars to my different because we don't do the repairs on site. That's not a service facility that's more of a sales facility so i have guys to do certain types of work depending upon the type of car that i have i've got a corvair guy i've got a studebaker guy i've got a tune-up and tire guy so i'm a lot of times i spend my days shuttling cars around um and i'm a one-man show so i'm in and out of there quite a bit so i always recommend someone shoot me a message or give me a phone call and and let me know that they're in the area are going to be in the area and i can i can meet anybody there pretty much even seven days a week. But I'm in and out, so I like to say for now, by appointment, because I would hate for someone to drive uh, 45 minutes to come to my place and I'm not there, you know. And have you put have you put a sign out front yet? Yep, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. There's a nice sign out front. That that sign had been on order for quite some time, you know, COVID uh, delays, the whole nine yards. But it took a lot, that sign took a long time, but it's a beautiful sign and you can't miss it. Uh, I'm right across from Walmart there in yep. Brockton, Abington. Yeah. Now have, have I, and I'm going way off track here. Have you ever, have you ever made any deals like with the, with the guys at, uh, whatever it is, district, district X brewing company to do kind of a brew and, uh, and, uh, car show night or anything? Yeah. It's funny you mention that. Uh, that's exactly what I've done. I, I, I decided one day, uh, eating lunch, that I'd love to, you know, I love cars and coffee events because yep. um, you're not stuck there at a car show all day and it doesn't take up your whole day. You can pull in with your car in the morning and you're home before lunch and you had a cup of coffee. I love those. I love cars and coffee. I wish we did more of them in this area. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, I said to myself, hmm, what about a different spin on that? I've got a brewery right next door that would love to uh, get more recognized. He's just uh, starting out there in Abington. Yep. I said, how about if I partner up with uh, 10th District, brewery next door and we do a cars and brews instead of a cars and coffee um and i got together with dana the owner of the of the of the brewery and he completely on board and we've we've actually scheduled that for to happen it's going to happen on um, october 8th from 11 to 3 so we're going to have a little car show um 
just a display. There'll be no awards or yeah. trophies or yeah. judging or anything. Just like a, like a cards and coffee would be. We, yeah. You pull in. We'll have coffee and donuts and uh, cold water, and then you'll also get with your ten dollar entrance fee with your car uh, a uh, a craft brew next door, and we're going to have a food truck there, maybe some live music. Uh, so it'll be a fun it'll be a fun uh, afternoon. It certainly, certainly, certainly sounds it. It's it's one of those things that you know. And those guys sort of started their business as a hobby, and it grew into a real business, just sort of like you did. Yeah, with exactly. yours. Yeah. So yeah. you know, fantastic yeah. stuff. Yeah. 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 I'm looking forward to that. And if it if it works out, we'll do it every year, or maybe a couple times a year. Um, I've got a good venue there for it, so. And with the brewery, I mean, <laughs> you can't go wrong, right? That's right. That's right. Absolutely. And, you know, you're picking, as as I recall, they had, uh, and not my taste exactly, but they had a pretty good Oktoberfest. So, you know, if you're looking for a, a pumpkin brew, they used to, they liked one my wife liked a lot. So, Oh, good to know. Yeah, I haven't yeah. tried that yet. I've been yeah. over there several times, but I haven't yeah. I haven't sampled that yet. Maybe he hasn't introduced it yet yeah. for this it might year. Be just, it might be a little too early still. So, it might but, be no, a little this, too early. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, this is fun. This is fun stuff, and and the uh, and the and again, the garage is the garage is just um, you know you're right off of 123, like you said, you're right across the street from the Walmart, um, right on yep. the Brockton Abington line. Uh, you're you're sort of by appointment only, but you'll be there whenever you can be there. And if people want to find out more information, uh, your website is what? I've got a website. Yep, orphancargarage.com. Um, I've got my my current cars for sale listed there, as well as everything that I've sold in the past, which is kind of fun to to scroll through. A yep. uh, lot a lot of oddball stuff, and and some not so oddball stuff, but nice cars. I keep everything affordable. I try to price everything below what a lot of other guys are trying to get for the same car. Um, there's no reason. Some sometimes I another reason why I got into this business is because I would actually absolutely scratch my head at some of the uh, asking prices some of the big ball classic car dealers and I, I thought that was out you know uncalled for it didn't need to happen so i try to bring the, the hobby to um the average the average guy and girl um so the website is great shows you what i currently have some of what i have coming in sort of what i've sold and the pricing yeah and i'm on no. facebook too i have a good facebook following and i show a lot of the new arrivals on facebook so if anyone's on facebook just look me up or from car garage and follow me there yeah, no, well. and and what's nice is, too, I was at a cruise night last night on Cape Cod, and I was kind of impressed with, um, you know, it was, you know, like typical car, car cruise nights, a lot of older folks that were there, but there was also a bunch of younger kids that were there, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, kind of late late teenage sort of maybe high school kids maybe a little and just the idea that they were fascinated by the hobby and they were fascinated by some of the some of the older cars and it it just wasn't the hot rods it was it was you know some of the there you know you talked about a studebaker lark there's a lark convertible that shows up at this thing and i think pretty much um there's a woman who sits in it and she never gets out of the car. And I'm guessing she's the original owner. She looks about the right age. So, but, oh, uh, but I it, it, maybe I need yeah, to go to that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I love yeah, the convertible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a pretty nice car. And the idea that, uh, you know, and some of the other Studebakers there as well, that, um, the, they, there was a hawk there the other night. And, uh, um, yeah. it just, I mean, just, just good stuff that's there. And, and, you know, it's always fun to, when you see some younger people that are involved in 
this. Yeah. Uh, it just kind of makes me feel good and makes me think that there is there is truly a future for the car, the old car hobby, and people that really appreciate you know kind of looking back at some of these older cars. There was a there was a Rambler Marlin that pulled in, and that was a car that mm-hmm. people either loved or hated. You know, was, right? Yeah. Right. That's yeah. another bucket list car of mine. I haven't, I haven't found the right one yet, but that's that's one that's going to be in the personal collection someday. The Marlin. Someday. It's a yeah. love hate relationship. But real quickly, I don't know how much time we have, but real quickly, just to uh, to touch on that, the younger younger generation, uh, I too was worried. You know that we were we were raising a generation of of young folks that weren't interested in cars or even driving in general, and and there is more of that now than there ever was. But there's still a good sector of young folks guys and girls that are in love with the automobile but i have seen a definite slight shift in what those people what those those that generation likes and it's the later model cars because those are the cars that they have a connection to most of us collect cars that we have a connection to and uh guys and girls in their 30s or even 40s don't have connections to cars that were built in the 40s, 50s, or even 60s. They may love them, and they may may be, you know, definitely have a calling for those, but there's a huge uptick in the 1980s stuff, believe it or not, and it's due to the younger collector that's now coming in that has play money. Camaros, IROCs, and Mustang GTs, and stuff that you and I, uh, you know, 15 years ago were kind of like, really? Those cars are never going to be worth anything. Well, guess what? Yes, they are. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> and they're going to increase because the younger generation is going to want more of that stuff. You know, yep. so, no, absolutely. To watch uh, for. Before yeah. we before we let you go, Orphan Car Garage <laughs> is the website. Uh, give out the phone number so people know how to get a hold of you. Five zero eight nine five four eight zero nine zero. John, I want to thank on the website as yep. well. Yeah, I want to thank you for taking some <laughs> time you. out of your Sunday morning and join us on the Car Doctor program. Oh, I loved it. Uh, have me back again. We'll talk oh. about something else. All right. Okay. All right. Take care, John. Yep. Bye-bye. We need to take a break and pay some bills. We went a little bit long here, so I don't want Jesse to get mad at me. So why don't we take a break, uh, pay some bills. Our phone number is 781-837-4900, 781-837-4900. If you have a question about your car, old car, new car, car repairs, give us a call at 781-837-4900. We'll be right back. Marshfield Lobster Fest is back. Join in this Saturday from 11 to 4 in Brant Rock, Marshfield. Enjoy a family-friendly coastal celebration featuring food vendors, children's activities, marine education, and live music. Shop dozens of coastal-themed artists and grab a live lobster to take home. Hop on our mechanical surfboard and ride a wave. Hang out at the Rockland Federal Credit Union VIP tent. And Lobster Fest wouldn't be complete without a photo of the famous Louis the Lobster. Tickets are on sale now at MarshfieldLobsterFest.com. Expect the best. Three words we've lived by for over 35 years. Hi, I'm Sheldon Stewart of Stewart Painting. Have you ever wondered what goes into our tagline, expect the best? Well, it starts off with having great employees who provide quality service, which gives us a great reputation of standing behind our work. We also want you to have a positive experience from the moment you schedule your estimate and meet with your sales team to the final product. It's important to us, whether it's carpentry, house washing, or painting, that all of our employees are committed to your project being done on time and to your satisfaction. Our team of professionals take pride in delivering the best possible service to all of our valued customers. We expect the best, shouldn't you? To schedule your free estimate, call either of our Hyannis or Hingham offices, or to get a virtual quote, go to stuartpaint.com. And remember, 
Stuart Painting. Expect the best. Hi there. I'm David Baker with the Buy Nothing Project. We've recently released the Buy Nothing app that makes sharing with your neighbors on the South Shore super easy. We call this a gift economy. Give your unwanted items to a neighbor instead of tossing them. Get just what you want for free. It's great for the environment, great for your community. Download the free Buy Nothing app at your app store or buynothingproject.org. Plymouth County is a large area stretching from just south of Boston down to the Cape Cod Canal. I'm Alex Bazanson. Join me and my guests for countywide coverage, everything from the Mayflower Landing to the most recent town meetings, how national news affects us locally, and how things that happen in Plymouth County affect the rest of the South Shore. Tune in for All About Plymouth County, Tuesday nights at 7, here on 95.9 WATD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the Car Doctor program on 95.9 WATD. My name is John Paul, the Car Doctor here, and our phone number is 781-837-4900. And last week we had the folks on from the Saratoga Motor Car Auction and Saratoga Motor Car Museum. And they have an auction coming up in a couple of weeks, September 24th and 5th. But they sent me a bunch of tickets to the auction, and I guess it says single-day general admission ticket, too. So I guess it would be tickets to the museum as well. So if you've ever, you know, if you're planning a trip heading up to Saratoga, New York, uh, we have some tickets for you. And, uh, Jesse, I don't want you to kill me, but if people want tickets... Uh, have them call in 781-837-4900 and say, say to Jesse, hey, can I get two, four tickets to the Saratoga uh, Motor Car Auction and Museum? And Jesse will take down your name and address, and he'll get mad at me because he has to work so hard. But he's a pretty good – you're 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 a pretty good multitasker, Jesse, right? I try to be, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, so if you want tickets to the Saratoga Motor Car Museum and Auction, uh, it's uh, taking place – the auction's taking place to – 24th and 5th but if you want if you want tickets to the museum if you're heading up that way and again it's not it's 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 a good ride but it's the same kind of ride if you were going to, going up to Maine or something so it's about the same amount of distance so um, if you want tickets uh, give our number a call at 781-837-4900 and you can we'll send you out some tickets and Jesse will just take down your name and address and we'll get them out to you simple enough you know, these car auctions are actually surprisingly entertaining, and I'm not like a huge car person. I've never been to a car auction, but me and the wife, we were at a bar. We just went out to lunch or something like that a few weeks ago, and there's, this is like no sports are on TV. Football hadn't started yet, but they had a car auction on TV, and when I tell you, me and the wife were like locked in, glued to the TV watching this whole thing. Like, we've never even watched one before. I was dialed in, though. It was actually kind of, uh, it was surprisingly interesting to watch. Yeah, it really, it really is, and I... I remember talking to somebody from one of the big auctions, auction houses years ago, and I said to him, you know, I'm amazed at how much money these cars go for. And you don't have, you know, you can wander around ahead of the auction and, and kind of look the car over and maybe chat with the owner if they're there about the car a little bit. But, I mean, that car is rolling across the stage, and you see the bids go from, you know, ten thousand to five hundred thousand dollars in no time at all, and you know, ridiculous amounts of money to spend. But I remember talking to somebody from the, an auction house, and I said, "Is it just my imagination, or when the TV cameras 
turn on, the prices go up. And he said to me, rich people like to show off for their rich friends. So they will sometimes overbid on a car because they're getting on, you know, they're getting on TV and uh, showing showing how much money they have to buy a car, I guess. Something I'll never have to worry about. Yeah, same here. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was kind of interesting that the uh, uh, I write a column for the Providence Journal every Sunday, and somebody smarter than me has to f- tell me how it ends up getting on Yahoo News's page, and it does show up on Yahoo News. So people that still have Yahoo, I guess, have their page that comes up when they open up their browser every every day, and um, the the headline and. I don't know if this is, I haven't seen the Providence Journal headline. I assume it's the same headline, and it says, Are electric cars the way to go? And it just says, Car Doctor, and it has my name under it. And um, somebody somebody wrote in and said, Do you really think electric cars are the way to go? I recently read about a woman who purchased a used Ford electric vehicle, and within months it needed a battery. The dealer told her the battery would cost $16,000, which is more than the car, cost of the car. And I answered it that I said, I certainly believe electric cars have a place in transportation. I recently drove a Chevy Bolt and found it could work for all but my longest drives. Regarding costs, as we see more electric cars, I believe battery costs will come down. After all, this was the case with, you know, if you're old enough, calculators, VCRs, and flat screen TVs. Um, it also appears that lithium ion battery cycling will grow into a multi-million dollar industry. Uh, we're also seeing new players using different ideas. Uh, uh, there's a company called VinFast uh, where you buy the car but lease the battery. And I said, I also believe the future may be a hybrid garage where people have both electric cars and a gasoline car or a plug-in hybrid car or something like that. Well, that has generated on last look here, 118 comments on the Yahoo page. And at one point I was called an elitist for uh, my thought that, you know, a hybrid garage where you would have one gasoline car, one electric car. Um, somebody somebody wrote in and said, uh, when NASCAR starts racing electrics, then maybe, then maybe I'll look into it. Somebody else said, uh, oh, this is, this is one. Typical elitist looking through the eyes of an EV dilemma. It says... Have have an EV and a gas car in the garage. Don't own a garage. Have two vehicles, but one is a 2009, not ideal for long trips. If I ever own an EV, it might be a my long trip vehicle. Then what? Also, repair costs and batteries. So, first time I've ever been called an elitist, and if, that's probably the last thing that I am. Uh, well, listen here, you elitist. Okay, uh, we have a, <laughs> we have Ken from Topsfield on the line. Well, let's talk to Ken from Topsfield. Let's see if he thinks I'm an elitist. Hey, Ken, am I an elitist? No, you're just a good guy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm, what can I'm we... going, I'm, I've got a question for you, and I'm heading into the tunnel under Boston here with the big dig, so I'll ask the question. My son-in-law has a, asked me about brakes. You always have to do the rotors. In other words, if you have brake pads, you change the pads before things get really bad. You just did that. Do rotors wear out if you didn't do something? Um, not, not generally. I mean, the problem is today's rotors are pretty thin to start off with, but years and years ago, I, I, I used to go to the General Motors training center up in Dedham, which is now where Fox, Cox TV, whatever they call themselves these days, Boston 25 is. And, um, you know, back then they even said if the brake rotors are in good condition, 
There's no warpage. There's no vibration. Um, just replace the brake pads because their thought was the brake rotors have actually become quite hardened and will actually last longer. So if there's no grooves, there's no vibration, you don't need to. Now, if you've gone a little bit too long or maybe you're on your second or third brake job, the cost of new brake rotors have come down quite a bit, and in a lot of cases they're pretty easy. They just pop off and new ones go back on, and that's as about as difficult as it gets. So um, in a lot of cases, there's no need to resurface or replace brake, pad, uh, brake rotors if they're in good shape. That's great, because he says he, he's in Connecticut now, and he says that whenever he goes in or anything with top brakes, they always say rotors automatically. And I said, I said, like, they, unless you score them or you go too yep. long or yep. something, they, I no. don't know if... Do they wear naturally? Really um, there's, there's always, I mean, the brake pad is the thing that actually wears, but years ago, um, brake pads had a lot of metallic content, and and that's what actually caused the brakes to actually work quicker, stop better, but that metallic content brake pad actually did wear the brake rotors down because it was basically uh, kind of a, a, you know, a sintered metal brake pad pressing up against a metal brake rotor and it would wear them down so i mean it was possible and then for you know for a while there and it was kind of a, a almost a bad joke we coined with you know me and some other people we called it cpr every every brake job that came in it seemed like you got calipers pads and rotors and it's not it's not necessary to do calipers pads and rotors together now doing them all at the same time are you going to get a better brake job Maybe if the if the brake calipers were sticky or rusty inside, yeah, that's possible. Um, but if the brake job's done right, the calipers are in good condition, the slides are in good shape, you replace a little bit of hardware, replace the brake pads with a quality set of brake pads, and the rotors are in good shape, there's, there's no need to change the rotors. Now, I will say that on my own cars, if I, if I am doing the brake work myself, a lot of times I will put brake rotors on just because I don't want to have to deal with it in 20 or 30,000 miles. More, I'll just get it done and get it over with. But I'm not paying. I'm not paying the labor. I'm just paying the parts. So it really depends. It really depends on the car and the person. But you have to put brake rotors on. A lot of shops just do it automatically. But it, in some cases, it is not necessary. Thank you. And one uh, final. Thing. Oh, go ahead. Hello? Go ahead. I just thought I almost um, lost you. Go ahead. I mean, you might, but we're coming out by North Station here. If you. Uh, if you change the brake pads yourself, is it possible to change the brake pads without having to bleed the brakes? In other words, it's an automatic thing. You have to pretty much regularly check bleed when you change the disc. No, no, not at not at all. You can you can change brake pads without bleeding brakes. What's a good idea though, and uh, what a lot of people will do is as they're pushing the brake caliper piston in. They'll crack open the bleeder screw rather than push some old rusty material back up into the brake system. It just squirts it out the bleeder screw, and you got less chance of any kind of contamination happening in the ABS system. Um, years back, they even recommended kind of clamping off the brake line um, and opening the bleeder screw to, to push the rusty fluid out. But that's if it's that's if it's in real bad shape. But if it's in good shape, no, you don't have to bleed brakes. No. Okay. Okay. I thank you. And All right. I'm glad you're- back and have a great day oh you too ken take care bye-bye i'm willing to bet we need to take another break jesse is that would that be about right seems like it's about time 
All right, why don't we take another break, pay some bills. Our phone number is 781-837-4900. And again, if you want tickets to the Saratoga Motor Car Museum and auction, uh, give us a call at 781-837-4900. Give Jesse your name and address, and he will send it to me, and I will mail out your tickets to you. Until then, uh, give us a call at 781-837-4900. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. You're listening on 95.9 WATD. Well, hey there. It's Chris from South Shore Buds in Marshfield. I don't know about you, but I grew up pretty skeptical of anything cannabis-related. From the time I drank juice in a box to long after I drank wine from a box, I stayed away. I just said no. It wasn't until I met someone who answered all of my questions, and I had a lot of them, that I finally gave it a try. It didn't take long for me not just to become a fan, but to discover the potential benefits of cannabis. So if you're curious, if you've got questions, like I did, stop by South Shore Buds. Or if you're an experienced consumer looking for a thoughtfully curated menu, stop by South Shore Buds. We'll help you find your happy place. We're at 985 Plain Street, just off Route 3 at Exit 27 in Marshfield. Or check us out online where you can browse, place an order for pickup, or place an order for delivery at SouthShoreBuds.com. That's SouthShoreBuds.com. Always consume responsibly. Ram Power Days are going on right now at Quirk Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram on Route 139 in Marshfield. Quirk Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram is one of the largest dealerships of its kind in New England, featuring an incredible inventory of brand new Ram trucks, great customer service, and Quirk's Chrysler Certified Service Department. Quirk Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram is accessible from all across the South Shore, just off Route 3 at the new Exit 27. Quirk works to save you money. Quirk works for you. Visit QuirkChryslerDodgeJeepRam.com. Don't miss the Just Steph show every Monday night from 8 to 10 p.m. for fun guests and tips on living your best life every day. I'm bringing sexy back to Monday nights. Tomorrow night from 8 to 10 on 95.9 WATD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the Car Doctor Program on 95.9 WATD. Yes, and I still have to look at my little piece of paper to make sure I say the right radio station name and phone number, which is 781-837-4900. So far, I I haven't screwed it up, have I, Jesse? Not yet. I'm very proud of you. All right. Well, thank you. Um, But I'm still, this Yahoo News thing is just fascinating to me. It's up to 127 comments so far uh, about my column. And uh, and it's all political, it seems like. Uh, you know, people have written in, they, they tried electric cars 100 years ago. It didn't work then, and it won't work now. Too many vehicles, they'll need too much power to charge for daily commutes and would fry the electrical g- grid. Unless we go nuclear in a big way, this will never be enough power. Um, in California, Democrats buy EV cars, but they're banned from charging. Well, they're not banned from charging. They just said that during high electrical demand, you know, don't charge your car, I guess. I don't know. Um, why do you think Biden is offering $4,000 of taxpayer money to foist off the used-up EVs on the poor and middle class? This is essential for the woke left coasters to get $7,500 of our money to buy new Teslas. By the way, EV batteries are not recyclable. 
Uh, everything greenies tell you about recycled EV batteries are uneconomic onesie-twosie projects that go nowhere. I don't know. It's a multi-billion dollar business in Ireland right now, so sounds like it's going somewhere to me. Um, don't forget how long it takes to charge your battery. A fast charge can damage your battery. My cell phone battery no longer charges near 100%. Well, probably because it's getting old. Uh, so... Interesting. Luckily, they won't be driving their cell phone around. That's true. Yeah, I, th- I think it's not perfect yet, but I think it, this is the way that it's going to go, right? Not, well, take, not con- taking any side politically, but eventually I think we're moving towards electric cars. Is it perfect yet? No, but I'm, I'm sure down the line this is probably where it's going to go. Yeah, and I'm not, and I'm the most unpolitical person in the world, so when I see this politics stuff go back and forth, it just... I, I I don't know what to say about it because politics is not my thing, and I I keep it try to keep it out of you know everything I do here. Um, but I I think until we become to the point where we're using hydrogen for fuel instead of batteries, so hydrogen can power an electric motor. Um, it can you can fill up with hydrogen as easily as you can fill up with gasoline. I think, and I've driven, I've driven hydrogen cars in the past, and they're pretty phenomenal vehicles. I think once that technology takes place, I kind of think battery cars are going to be the interim step to whatever the next thing is, which I think is going to be, going to be um, uh, hydrogen. So we'll have to wait and see. I'm actually driving a uh, battery electric uh, Hyundai Ioniq 5, which is sort of a smallish SUV. Uh, it's a dual motor car, so it's all-wheel drive. Thing performs really well. It's really comfortable inside. Fully charged, it goes about 270 miles on a charge. Uh, I don't have level two charging at my house. I only have a 110 volt outlet that I plug it in, and for the most part, I've only been going 40 or 50 miles each day, and it charges up overnight. And you know, and if I had to go 250 miles, it could do that. If I wanted to quick charge, I would have to go someplace to be able to do that. Um, but somebody who uses the name of Click777 says, Car doctor, what happens if my Tesla catches on fire while my granny is driving it and he can't get out of the car? Or better yet, and like it happened early this year, what happens if my Tesla catches fire, uh, catch, catches on fire in my garage because gla- granny sleeps in the room right above the garage? Plus, I have a second Tesla sitting right next to it wouldn't it be better to simply sell both teslas until after elon gets his burning granny to a cinder or burn my house and second tesla up problem fixed yeah that sounds like the problem's fixed uh yeah yeah and and that oddly enough got four thumbs up from other readers so um i i guess i've never actually you know the columns that are right for the for the Boston Globe and the Providence Journal and Newsday, um, they'll get a couple of comments. Usually somebody might, you know, like my answer or not like my answer. Um, and, you know, somebody wrote back, gasoline is so much safer. No one ever got burned in a gasoline car. If it's so safe, they never had to fix any problem with my gas car. Granny could take a bath in it while smoking. Well, there's somebody who well, disagrees with the other person. Yeah. So, Well, thanks for sure. He's definitely concerned about the safety of his granny. I and guess I, I guess I guess you know uh, you defi- he definitely doesn't want his granny to die in a fire. And and who would really? You yeah. know? Yeah. 
who you know so it is it is sort of it is sort of funny how all of this stuff is but you know you're right electric cars are i'm sure back in the olden days you know when gasoline cars first showed up people were probably like you know where are you going to get gas uh, my horse never needs, needs to do that. Those gasoline cars are are smelly. They smoke. They're terrible. They're they're noisy. They scare my horses. Yeah, well, one of the uh, common things when, and obviously cars won this battle, <laughs> but one of the common things was my horse will react to something that's in the road. My car, if I don't see it, will not. And uh, you know, it, it's true. You know, the, the horse will go around something. But yep. All in all, you know. Technology evolves. It's we are starting happen. to see cars that react to things in the road. So you know we're not we're not at semi we're not at autonomous driving yet, but we are at some semi autonomous features where if you're driving down the road and a uh, pedestrian runs out in the middle of the road, your car will stop automatically for it. Uh, so we are starting to see that kind of stuff. Uh, if your you know car stops in front of you and you're not paying attention, it will flash a warning and maybe apply the brakes automatically. Automatic emergency braking is going to become standard in just about every car next year. So we are going to we are going to see a lot of that. So you know it's it's going to be going to be interesting to to see what happens and how it all goes and you know where it's going to go. But I think we are going to see. Like you pointed out, electric cars might not be for everybody, but they're at the point right now where electric cars can fill a big gap for a lot of people how they're how they're going to drive. And if you drive, you know, if you commute a hundred miles back and forth to work, and you can plug in your car at the end of the day, and you know, and somebody said to me, "Well, that means I, that means I have to uh, plug in my car every every night." And I said, "What do you plug in now?" I said, "In my house." I plug in my laptop, my cell phone, and my iPad, and I guess my toothbrush. And, you know, I think of that, and I'm like, if it's convenient to be able to plug in my car every day, what's one more thing to plug in and not have to go to a gas station, which sometimes can be, you know, a bit of a problem. And we know that, you know, right now, if people actually start their day with a full kind of tank of electrons they're less likely to run out of electricity than they are thinking about running out of gasoline because a lot of people drive around with their until the low fuel light comes on and then they decide to get gas if they remember at that point so it is it is sort of interesting where it's all going to go and how it's going to go but one electric car that is um kind of kind of has a a problem and it's not anything to do with electricity. Toyota Motor Company has planned to sell no more than 7,000 of its new 2023 BZ4X electric compact crossovers in the United States. It got up to about 260 before quickly pulling the plug. Their, their pun, not mine. In late June, from the launch effort of its first electric vehicle in the United States since 2014, after a warning from Japan that the wheels could fall off. Well, that's not good. And uh, like its nascent launch, it could unexpectedly fall off. Those 260 vehicles were delivered to consumers in seven states before the stop sale. Toyota said uh, California, Colorado, Massachusetts, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, and Wyoming. 
Now the Japanese automaker has offered several accommodations to those consumers as uh, for asking them to stop driving the recall vehicles after Japan's safety regulator said sharp turns and sudden braking could cause a hub bolt to loosen, risking the uh, raising the risk of the wheel coming off the vehicle. So far, a permanent remedy that would let dealers resume selling the vehicle and its sibling vehicle, the Subaru Saltera, has not been determined. No Salteras have been delivered, but the BZ... Can they come up with a more complicated name? BZ4X, and it's small b capital Z, 4, capital X. Rolls right off the tongue. They were asked to immediately uh, contact the dealership, which would pick up the vehicle and drop off a loaner at no charge. Um, so what they're doing for people who bought these, they're providing a loaner and storing their car at no charge. They're reimbursing for any fuel costs that incurred while operating the loaner vehicle. They're providing a credit of $5,000 towards payments of their loaner lease or purchase price if the vehicle was paid off in full. They're extending the complimentary charging through the end of 2024 at all public charging stations owned and operated by EVgo. They're extending the warranty to cover the period when it cannot safely be driven because of the recall and that runs from uh, last month through whenever the remedy is announced the company said buyers have another option Toyota will offer to reimburse a repurchase a vehicle if the consumer desired but caution that the terms for the repurchase may vary depending on their state and particular circumstances the automaker said it is asking any customers with unique circumstances to call customer service this is the first major consumer satisfaction effort uh, undertaken by Toyota Motor Corporation since uh, Jack Hollis succeeded Bob Carter as head of sales. Uh, but it is sort of, they, they are certainly going way, you know, way kind of, I don't know, is it over the top? Maybe, I don't know. It was sort of like Saturn had a huge recall years ago, and they actually made it into a party. It was like, oh, your car could catch fire, but why don't you come to the dealership? We'll have a cookout. We'll give you a hamburger or a hot dog, a veggie burger or something. We'll fix your car. We'll get it all straightened out for you. Can you can have a, We'll have a little party. Maybe we'll have a band playing, and we'll be able to be able to have a little bit more fun with it. So maybe that's maybe that's what they're doing. I don't know. So and again, speaking of electric cars, uh, Tesla, according to this headline, crushes luxury registration so far in 22. Uh, but legacy automakers and startups are add to uh, EV lineups as well. Tesla's new vehicle registrations grew 61% in the first half of the year, easily beating BMW for the top spot among luxury automakers, regardless of fuel type. All major luxury brands except Tesla and Genesis posted lower first half registrations, according to new data from Experian. Uh, but there was a bright spot for legacy automakers and EV startups. New registrations of full electric vehicles rose sharply uh, among non-Tesla brands. And this is something the Biden administration changed the rebate tax incentive program. I shouldn't call it a rebate. Tax incentive programs for electric vehicles. And they're very confusing now because some of it changed at the end of August. Some of it's going to change next year. And it's going to be determined somewhat by where where the car is made, uh, where it's assembled, where the major parts come from, where the battery comes from, uh, where battery production is, what qualifies and what doesn't. So I think it might be time to get somebody on from uh, the electric vehicle consumer group, uh, which is located in Boston. Maybe they can help us understand these new rebates and incentives because, uh, you know, somebody said to me, well, the government's forcing these electric vehicles 
down your throat. Not if all these registrations, you know, not if everybody's selling them like crazy. People people are interested. And is how long before we see lots of electric cars on the road? It's going to be a long time. The average car on the road today is over 12 years old. It takes about 12 years to flip the fleet all the way around. So before we see a lot of electric cars, it's 2022 now. It's going to be 2040 before we see electric cars. And between now and then, there'll be something different in between. And I think that it could very well be hydrogen cars. So we'll have to we'll have to wait and see and see what happens. So yeah, smarter I think people. It'll be a, I think it'll be a while. I mean, you, yeah. you'll probably have no problem getting some of these people in the city to either abandon cars or, or go with their hybrid cars or whatever. But, you know, trying to get the uh, guy driving his 30-year-old pickup truck in Montana to switch over to a you know, an economy uh, type car. Oddly, oddly, there are more electric vehicles registered in Texas than there are in New York. Uh-huh. And I, and I heard that, and I'm like, oh, that can't be right. What do you mean, Texas? is truck country. And they're like, nope, higher percentage of electric vehicles sold in Texas than New York. So I was sort of surprised by that. So, yeah, and, and we are seeing, I mean, there's a Lucid dealership, which Lucid makes this luxury car, this luxury electric car. They opened one at in... In, uh, well, maybe that's not that surprising because you got you know, to think in New York, you have New York City where if you're smart and you live in New York City, you probably don't have a car anyways. And outside of New York City is like rural, you know, very red, you know, like yeah. farm country, you know. Yeah, I suppose, outside of yeah. New York City, New York State is, is not the same. I suppose if you're going up to Saratoga, you, you, you know, you're going you're gonna to see uh, more open spaces than you would in Albany. True. Hey, the yeah. end of the show is upon us all of a sudden. Hey, all of a sudden it is. Hey, uh, we have uh, we have run out of time. I want to thank John Wingle from uh, the uh, Orphan Car Garage for joining us today. I want to thank Jesse for doing that phenomenal job he does behind the board thank up there, friend. hidden away. One of these days I'll have to come in and actually hang out at the station. That'll be fun. But until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car, and if you see an emergency vehicle by the side of the road, slow down or move over. It saves lives. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.